For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Porque nos ha nacido un niño, se nos ha concedido un hijo. La soberanía reposará sobre sus hombros, y se, y se le darán estes, estos nombres. Consejero Admirable, Dios Fuerte, Padre Eterno, Príncipe de Paz. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Se extenderán sus, su soberanía y su paz, y no tendrán fin. Gobernará sobre el trono de David y sobre su reino, para establecerlo y sostenerlo con justicia y rectitud desde ahora y para siempre. Esto lo llevará a cabo el cielo del Señor Todopoderoso. Amen. You may be seated. Those words, those words are powerful words, right? You've heard those words before. You hear the hallelujah chorus, you know, that we sing. I mean, you know, those words are sung in there, right? I mean, we know those words. They're, they're woven in there, engraved into our mind, into our consciousness. And what really strikes me, though, is the beginning of that passage that builds to that crescendo for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The beginning is this, that people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And that's simply what I want to talk to you about this morning, is that the people walking and living in darkness have seen a great light. Because as we spoke before, light is what brings us joy. It brings us hope. It, it, it kind of is a sign against the darkness, right? That it can't last forever. And the dawn is such a powerful symbol of the sun coming again and rising. That it won't stay night forever. It won't stay dark forever. But we know there is darkness. We know that people are living and walking in darkness. And at the time that this was written and recorded in the book of Isaiah, the people of God, the Israelites, were living in a dark time. In fact, it was going to be dark for a long time because there was violence and there was war. And there was oppression. And they were under the rule of the Assyrians. The Assyrians came in and conquered them. And ruled over them. And the Assyrians were notorious for their brutality. And for their violence. And what they would do is when they conquered their enemies, they would take some of their enemies. And they would actually put the people's bodies on stakes and line them up along the street. And sometimes they would pour oil on them and light them on fire like literally a human torch. And they ruled by the sword. They ruled by their power and their might. But the darkness continued for Israel. For this begins a long time. Hundreds, thousands of years where the Israelites are, are under the rule of someone else. For then came the Babylonians. And then came the Persians. And later on the Greeks and the Romans. And each one of them ruled over Israel. They were people living in a land of darkness. They were people that were looking for the light. But all throughout this time, they had these words of the prophets. That while the prophets spoke of God's judgment, they spoke of God's desire for righteousness and justice. 
They spoke of God's desire that we live a holy life, that we dedicate ourselves to God. They also spoke of hope. They spoke of a God who loved his people so much that he would not let them live under the sword forever. He would not let this darkness continue. He would not let the evil be perpetuated. He would not let the oppression continue. But he is a God who is a God of hope. And they would read these passages and they would see that there was always a sign of hope. And in this part of Isaiah, it's very interesting that the sign of hope is a baby. The sign of hope is a baby. It's a child. Three times it's mentioned in this area of Isaiah. Two chapters back in chapter 7, Isaiah says that this will be a sign that God will deliver you from your oppression. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and give him the name Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. And then in chapter 8, they're speaking to all of the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, listen, your children are still going to be born to you during these dark and difficult times. And when children are born to Israel, they are a sign of God's hope and God's deliverance. And then finally, a third time in chapter 9, Isaiah says what we read this morning, for unto you a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And no one reading this from that time throughout the hundreds of years of history, all through the time of Jesus, even up to today, nobody reading that thought that Isaiah was talking about some kind of spiritual salvation where we're just forgiven of our sins and we get to go to heaven. That was not their concept. They were under the rule and the oppression, and they wanted someone to come and to break the oppression and to set them free. That eventually someone was going to be born who was the chosen one, who would grow up to be the king, the warrior, the deliverer, the hero, the one that would save the day for Israel, that would drive out all of their enemies, that would turn the tables on the oppressor and would finally set them completely free. They were looking for the Messiah, the anointed one that would come and lead a political and governmental revolution that would lead them to be the kind of country that they wanted to be. That was their strong hope of deliverance. But it would begin as a child, as a baby. But of course, people rose up, you know, that did fight for Israel. There were leaders, there were kings, there were people that came all throughout the history, and they would rise up against the oppressors. But any kind of peace or victory would be short-lived, and they would only be able to do so much, right? And so they were looking for the one that would come, that would not just come and do something for a little while, but the one who would come and listen to the language that we read this morning, and would reign forever. Forever, there would be no end to this Messiah's justice and peace. You see, in the prophecy, there is something that is a little greater, something that is a little higher, something that, that lifts our mind above just someone who's going to come, you know, and make us great again. There's something more than that. And the names of this Messiah are things like Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, no human ruler could ever hope to attain those lofty titles, could they? Nobody could ever go, no matter how great a deliverer that person might be for Israel, they would not be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. What we know now is the Prince of Peace. Something was being spoken of that was higher. Something was being spoken of that was greater than all of that. And of course, we've come to realize today, 2,000 years since the baby Jesus was born, 
that we celebrate at Christmas that the baby Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. That is the child that was promised. That is the son that was given. That is the only one who could fulfill the fullness of this prophecy in its ultimate form. The only one who can give us deliverance and set us free and release us from oppression. And at Christmas, we celebrate two very important things, that Jesus is God in the flesh, incarnate in Spanish, encarne, in the flesh, that Jesus is God who put our human flesh on, who became one of us, right? That Jesus was not just a man, although he was a man, a human with flesh, he was also God. He was the son of God. And he did take the name Emmanuel that was prophesied. That means God is with us, right? And many people thought when you say God is with me, you mean he's, he's like on your side. He's for you. God's going to bless you, right? But he's still somewhere else above or, or behind you. But, but this Jesus brought it down to the most literal sense. God with us. Like literally living among us as one of us. And not only that, friends, not only that, because Jesus could have come as any person, right? To any, anywhere he wanted to come. But he came and he lived with those who were poor, those who were marginalized. He came and while his message is for everyone, he identified literally in the flesh with those who were being oppressed. I love the way that this pastor um, on Twitter put up Pastor Carlos Rodriguez from Puerto Rico. He tweeted this. God chose brown flesh. Jesus was Middle Eastern, you understand, right? He was Israeli. He covered himself in the glory of the marginalized and the poor, dressed fully as the naked and the broken, united in the dust of the rejected and the dirty. God abandoned his throne for the sake of the throneless. Jesus added incarnation. Jesus came to be one of us. Jesus came to be with us and for us. And Jesus came as one of those who was poor and was marginalized and who was under the oppression at that time of the Roman Empire. You see, when Jesus came, it was still dark in the world, right? There was much darkness. The Roman Empire was also a very nasty empire. The Roman Empire would come in and completely conquer people. They would completely take over. And anyone that would disagree with them, anyone that would dare defy them, anyone that would dare speak up against the injustice, the oppression, and the evil, they would be killed. They would be destroyed because Rome wanted to prove that we are the only power and authority that exists in your lives. In fact, they went so far as to call their Caesar at the time of Jesus the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. How many of you knew that? That the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was a Roman phrase that they used for their rulers. But the followers of Jesus took it and said, we got something else to do with that title, right? And take it one step further. They called the emperor's son the son of God who was to be worshipped. And their version of peace was to come in and kill anyone and oppress anyone that disagreed with them. It is said that in the region of Galilee where Jesus lived, where he grew up with his family, that the taxation rate of the Roman government was 90%. Can you imagine 90% of your paycheck going to the government? There was all kinds of oppression, political oppression, religious oppression, because they didn't respect the God of Israel. They didn't respect their religion. You know, that there, were, there was all kinds of oppression going on. But into that dark world came Jesus, the sign of hope. 
In fact, the Romans were so good at this that they perfected the, mo- the best form of capital punishment that the world has known. It was, the, it was crucifixion. And in crucifixion, what they would do is they would take a person, and on this crossbar here, they would strap or nail their wrists to the side. And then on the pole that stands in the ground, they would strap or nail their feet to the bottom. And this was often after a person had been, had been whipped, had been scourged. So by the time you got on the cross, you had a lot of loss of blood, and you were dehydrated, there was exhaustion setting in. And the thing that was so cruel about the cross is that when you're hanging there like that, you couldn't breathe. So you have to lift yourself up to breathe, literally. And with the dehydration, the blood loss, the exhaustion, it became more and more difficult so that it could take you days to die a slow, painful death to where you finally couldn't even breathe anymore. And if they needed it to be quicker, they'd come and they'd break your legs so that you couldn't lift yourself up anymore. And they came in, and there was not just, you know, a few crosses. There were thousands of these crosses. That much like the Assyrians, they would place along the road. They would come into a town. And the crosses were for the people that resisted and defied the government and its oppression. They were for the people that claimed to be a higher authority than the Roman Empire, than the Roman Emperor. They were for the people who rebelled against the Empire. And so, friends, Jesus was put on the cross by the Romans because the Romans said that he claimed to be the king of the Jews, that he was a threat to their government and to their system. And what strikes me in thinking about Jesus on the cross is just the way that he did that, right? I mean, the prophecy said, check this, the prophecy said that the Messiah would break the yoke across their shoulders. Look at that picture for a minute. Jesus literally bore our oppression on his back. The rod of the oppressor was literally laid upon him. When it says that the government, the true government, the kingdom of God, is on the shoulders of the Messiah, on the shoulders of Jesus, this is how we did it, friends. For you see, Jesus is a threat. And Jesus was a threat to the government and to the authorities. And Jesus did come to be the Messiah and the Deliverer. And Jesus did come to bring a revolution. But his revolution was not going to be with weapons of warfare and not with tools of the empire. For the prophet Isaiah said that every warrior's boot is destined for the fire. There's going to come a time when violence is not going to be the answer in this world. Where we're not going to accomplish this through violence, through oppression, through killing, and through torture. But it's going to be conquered through love and through sacrifice. For we worship the Emmanuel. The Emmanuel who submitted to overcome. You understand what I'm saying? Who humbled himself to be exalted. Who sacrificed himself to gain everything. Who died so that we could live with him forever and ever. Hallelujah. The true King of Kings. The true Lord of Lords. The one and only Son of God, the Emmanuel, the God with us, the Deliverer, the Messiah. He is the one who did it, and he did it by dying on the cross for our sins and taking all of the oppression and all of the sin and all of the evil of the world upon his shoulders. And friends, when he rose from the grave, he broke that bar of oppression. And of his government and peace, 
there will be no end. For you see, friends, Jesus came to set us free. He did come to set us free. He is truly the fulfillment of the prophecy. But again, he did it in a way that people weren't quite expecting at that time. He didn't come in with all of his power and might because he could have, right? He could have come in until the entire Roman army snapped his fingers and they would have been destroyed, right? And he could have snapped his fingers and everything would have been perfect, right? But he didn't do it that way. Jesus came and said, look, the kingdom of God, the government of God is not here. It's beginning, but it's like a seed that's planted and it's going to grow slowly but steadily. And he came to bring hope. And he said, this is enough for you to have hope that there will be full deliverance. For friends, I must declare to you this morning, because I don't believe it's said enough, that Jesus Christ is coming again. That Jesus Christ is coming to this earth again. And when he comes, his kingdom will be made perfect. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And every oppression will end. And every injustice will be made right. And everybody will be fed. And everybody will be healthy. And everyone will be taken care of. And things will be the way that they're supposed to be. And the last will be first. And the first will be last. But everyone will have a seat at the table in the kingdom of God. And it's coming. It's coming slowly but steadily. But it's not here yet. Don't give up hope, friends. Do not give up hope because Jesus Christ is alive and it is still growing. The Bible tells us, listen to this. The Bible tells us, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in other words, you do have the ability, according to the promise of the word of God, to overcome all of the evil in this world by living into the goodness of God himself. And then the Bible goes on to say this. Check this. Do not become weary in doing good. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody need to hear that this morning. I got some people in here I know. You've been fighting for what's good. You've been fighting against injustice. You've been trying to speak out against what you need to speak out against. And you know what? It gets tiresome, doesn't it? We get weary. We get worn down. But the Bible says, I know it's going to feel that way, but don't become weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Amen. At the proper time. Give up. Do not give up, my dear friends. Do not give up. For the power of God is at work in our lives to set us free. Amen. But here's the thing. He came to set us free by beginning with us. Right? We always want to fix what's wrong with everybody else and everything else. And Jesus is concerned about it. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is very concerned about setting everything right. But he, he wants to set us right, too. And so what he does, right? What, what does he do? By dying on the cross, he forgives us of our sins and heals us. You see, when we're, still on, when we're still in our sin, you know, we need to be set free from that. And God heals our mind, right? Because, because we don't even know how to think about things correctly. Or we have thoughts that are not good. Or we don't understand things. But when Jesus comes into us, he gives us a new mind so that we can see things more clearly, so that we can understand things that we previously were not able to understand, so that we would be able to think in a better way, in a clear way. And Jesus also heals our hearts, right? Because when he forgives us, he lets our hearts, instead of being closed, they open up. Instead of being hard, he makes them soft and compassionate. When we get a new heart from Jesus, we're able to care about people that we couldn't care about before. We're able to have more compassion and more understanding for people, right? And even towards ourselves, right? 
because we also need to forgive ourselves. We also need to understand that we have been forgiven, that we are loved by God. Jesus sets us free not only from, from sin and its effects on our hearts and minds, he sets us free from the fear of death. Everyone is afraid of dying. All of us, one of the worst things that can happen is if someone close to us dies. That's what we, we the, the thing that we fear the most, right? But Jesus said, listen, when I rose from the grave, when Jesus actually died as one of us and then rose again, he said, look, you can have hope. The death is not the end, but it's just a path from one life to the next. It's just a path from living in this era to going into the fullness of eternal life with Jesus Christ forever. And when you're free from the fear of death, oh my goodness. Are you not more free to stand up for what is right in this world? Hallelujah. In fact, isn't it the only people that stand up are the ones who realize, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I die because I'm going to stand up for what is right. And I'm going to speak truth where it needs to be spoken. I'm going to do it with love and compassion because I am loved. Because I'm loved, and I don't have to worry about what anyone else thinks anymore. I know that I'm loved, and Jesus conquered the powers of Satan. And there is Satan is the evil one. He is in this world working and operating among not only people, but systems of injustice and oppression. My friends, my friends, Jesus comes to set us free. Amen. And he sets us free so that we can set other people free, right? Do you know that? He sets us free so that we can set other people free. In fact, those people who like, oh, I've been set free by Jesus and they just live by themselves, they're not really, you know, accomplishing what Jesus wants because we're set free to set other people free. And how do we do that? Well, I love the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Amen. And so we see, as I've been talking about this morning, that it's with light and love that we help to set other people free. It's with light and love that we're able to push out the darkness that exists in the human heart and the darkness that exists in the world. Because it's all tied together, right? It's all tied together. We know that whatever systems there are, whatever groups of people there are that are oppressing other people, there's people in all, right? In all governments and all leadership, there's people. And each person has a heart and a mind that is either trapped by sin and evil or it's being set free by the power of God. You know, and it's, it's both things. We need to understand that. Because there's still darkness in the world today, isn't it? Can, can we say part of being light is to be light in the darkness, is it not? And if we're going to be light, then light's going to point out where there's darkness. That's right. And so we need to say when things are wrong. We need to say when things are evil. We need to speak out. You know why? Because people in power... You know the old line from Spider-Man, right? With greater power comes greater responsibility. Well, the the leaders of this world, the leaders of our governments are going to be held accountable for everything they say and for everything that they do. And when we're the light, we need to be the light. It's when something's wrong, we need to say it's wrong. If we want to shine bright this Christmas, we need to, when we see something, say something. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Like the old billboard says, when you see something, say something. If you're going to be light and you see something that's wrong, then you need to say that it's wrong. And that's, and I believe that. So I'll say what's wrong. There's still oppression in every country in this world. And that includes oppression right here in our own country, in our own state, in our own communities. There's oppression. People are still being oppressed because of the color of their skin. Because of their culture. Because of their language. People are being oppressed because they're women. People are being oppressed because they're children. 
People are being oppressed because they're poor. People are being oppressed because they're vulnerable and they have no one to protect them. There is still darkness in the world. But Jesus is the light of hope. Amen. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus is the hope of this Christmas season where God came to us to be with us, to set us free, and to set everyone else free as well, right? For here's the most amazing thing that kind of blows my mind about Jesus' love. Jesus loves both the oppressed and the oppressor. Jesus loves the poor and the rich. Jesus loves women and men and children. Jesus loves those who are marginalized and those who are privileged. Jesus loves every single person. And so when we shine our light of truth and justice, we should do it with love in our hearts towards the people that God loves. And we should do it with clarity. And here's where I want to end this morning with just a beautiful part of this prophecy of the Messiah of Jesus Christ. It says that of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. So I'm asking you, friends, this Christmas season to shine bright, to let your lives be a light that shines bright. And I'm encouraging you to shine bright for justice and for peace. In other words, shine a light with love and clarity. When something's wrong, say something is wrong. Speak up against it. And help make the changes that need to be made. And be a light for peace. Because once you have peace with God, then you can have peace with yourself. You can set your heart at peace. You know know what I feel like some of us need, especially those of us who have received Jesus Christ, what some of us need is we need peace with ourselves. You need to forgive yourself because God has forgiven you. You need to not condemn yourself any longer because God no longer condemns you. Amen. You need to accept your acceptance. Are you with me? Do you understand that? You need to accept your acceptance. You need to believe that you belong. Amen? Amen. You need to believe that you are belong. You need to believe that you are loved by God. That He is with you, always with you. And everything that He has is yours because if you believe that, Oh my gosh, your mind will be transformed. Your heart will be transformed. You'll be able to live in a way that you've never lived before. And we need that. Oh God, we need that in our lives. But peace with God and peace with ourselves means that we can bring peace to others. Oh, I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning because I know each and every single one of you is going to be going to people this, especially during the holiday seasons, who have no peace. Am I right? Am I right? You're going to be going into places of conflict, places of stress, places of drama. You're going to be dealing with some of the effects of injustice in this world in your day-to-day lives, right? And you're going to be tempted to absorb that stress, to take that upon yourself, right? To, you're going to even be tempted to be despair. But remember, whenever you see the Christmas lights, that Jesus is the true Christmas light. And Jesus is the light of hope. And if you have Jesus in your hearts, oh friends, you can bring peace wherever you go. Oh, I want to pray for you this morning that when you go to your families, that you'll bring peace to those who need peace. When you go to your work, that you'll bring peace to your workplace this week, this month. As you're finishing up school, that you bring peace to your classroom. You bring peace to your teachers. You bring peace, you know, wherever you're gathering with friends or loved ones, that you would bring peace. 
Because we are ambassadors. We are representatives of this government of Jesus Christ that will never end called the kingdom of God. We are the ones who come and proclaim his peace. We are the ones who come and on behalf of Jesus Christ, we say you need to do what's right and you need to be reconciled to God, right? You need to do what's right and you need to be reconciled to God. Because Jesus can set you free. And he can set you free to set other people free. Oh, hallelujah. Let's pray. Can we pray this morning? Hallelujah. I'm going to invite you in this moment. Amen. If you need to come forward for prayer this morning, if you would just come, just come forward this morning. There's going to be people going to pray with you. I just believe in my heart that some of you are just longing, longing for this peace in your heart. And I just invite you to come and just be prayed for and just receive the peace and the power of God this morning. Jesus Christ, we worship you this morning because you are the Messiah. You are the one who sets us free and delivers us. We worship you, Jesus, because you are God in the flesh. Incarnate, incarnate, and became one of us to be with us. We worship you that you are the Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. The God who is with us. Amen. Amen. Don't hesitate. Just come forward this morning. Hallelujah. Come forward and be prayed for and receive the 